This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone, and happy Thursday. Welcome back to another installment of the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by me, Matty Ice, and brought to you by Matty Ice Media. Hope everybody is having a good week. Thursday always feels like it's so close to the weekend. It almost feels like a Friday sometimes because I don't work all Fridays. This particular Friday, I happen to be off. So it is nice to get to a Thursday and feel like we are that much closer to a little bit of a rest and respite over the weekend. I was working on some other projects this week, one of which was political football. If you haven't checked that out, you can find that on MattySmedia.com and wherever you find your podcasts if NFL football talk is for you. Dave, one of the co-hosts, was asking or talking about one of the players for the Cincinnati Bengals, and that's their quarterback, Joe Burrow. He injured himself in his rookie year. He tore his ACL. There was a lot of talk about the protection that he had and whether that injury could have been avoided if the team had been a little bit better prior to bringing him on. And you can say what you want. 2020 uh, vision is, you know, hindsight, excuse me, is 2020. He has been recovering and we're in the middle of NFL camp. And while this is not a sports specific show, this triggered something in me something that Dave had asked me and Cleve about, and it got me to thinking about how it relates in our own lives outside of the world of sports. From many of the accounts of what Joe Burrow is going through in NFL camp, what we have heard is that he is very hesitant related to his injury. Many times athletes are expected to come back and bounce back the way that they were prior to a major injury. I talked about this with the Olympics with Allison Felix, how Nike basically almost shamed her into Why aren't you back faster? Why are you not able to bounce back after being pregnant and having a child? Something that is every woman's right. So Joe Burrow is now facing coming back and his teammates are looking at him and from all accounts, he is very hesitant. Uh, He looks almost scared. He's hesitant to make throws. He's hesitant to get hit, even though in practice, right for the NFL, uh, the players that are the most untouchable wear red jerseys and they're not allowed to be touched in full contact mode no matter whether it's full contact pads or not so Joe Burrow is very very skittish and Dave asked me and Cleve has there ever been an injury that you have suffered that has caused you to have that kind of trauma to where you are completely affected and we talked about whether Joe Burrow would be able to get over this injury or not after we were done recording I started thinking about the answer that I gave more And one of the answers that I gave was that when I was 27, I had a heart attack. If you've listened to the show for at any length of time, you've heard me talk about this. You have heard me talk about the fact that it is a very significant life moment for me for many, many reasons. I think anytime you have a near-death experience, especially when a physician is telling you, for all intents and purposes, you should have died, but you didn't. So what are you going to do with this second chance, basically? Uh, Joe Burrow is not going through something as traumatic. It's a physical injury. Our bodies physically will heal. But the mental injury, the mental trauma that goes along with it, that's what got me onto this topic, the idea of trauma. And I don't think we think about this often enough in our lives. I think many, many people think of the idea of trauma as something physical or something mental, but something mental that is not necessarily as mundane as I think something can cause trauma with us. And I got it to thinking about my life. So with the heart attack, I talked about how it happened before I became what I consider an athlete, before I started really putting exercise at the forefront. Now I love to exercise. After becoming a marathon runner, I've learned to become a boxer. 
I honestly just like athletic achievement and athletic endeavors. It's something that I've learned to embrace and learn to love because I know the benefit that it has for my body. But I realized in thinking about my answer while recording with them the other day that I do actually think about that heart attack every time that I work out. It's just not something that is on the forefront of my mind every single time, but it's there. Every time I do something with my heart, I realize that this heart has given me a second chance, that I am rewarding that second chance with this exercise, with this exertion, so to speak. But Cleveland also had a heart attack. He was older than I was. I was 27. He was in his 40. Remember coming back from a trip to Boston and him texting me and saying I had a heart attack. I'm in the hospital. And I immediately got over there so I could go visit him and just talking with him. And he, like me, has seen that day as sort of a rebirth of sorts. And we still work out together. And sometimes when we are sparring, I will hit him in the chest just because it's what happens. And I think about that heart attack every time I do that. I think about hitting him in the chest, hitting him in the heart, a heart that tried to fail him already once in his life. And Cleveland is somebody who has been an athlete his whole life. He's a personal trainer as a profession. And he still was susceptible to something like that because we can't do anything about dying. Death and taxes are the only things that we know are certain in this lifetime. And death being the only one, because if you're Jeff Bezos, you're not paying taxes. So, but trauma, what does it really mean? And I got to thinking about what it meant to my life. One of the things that I suffer from in my personal relationships is seemingly like I'm keeping secrets. But why am I doing that? Well, I've talked about the relationship that I had growing up with my mom. I talked about the way that I was brought up. And one of the things that I have in common with a lot of people are having overly critical parents. And yes, your parents are supposed to be critical of you because they want better for you. So there's no, there's nothing wrong with being critical of your children and wanting your children to want better for themselves. But I'm talking about overly critical to the point that I was afraid to be the person that I wanted to be, the interests that I had, right? If I wanted to start this podcast when I was a kid, my mother would have told me this is the stupidest thing ever. You'll never make it. Why would you even do it? She wanted me to be molded in the image of her when it's a parent's job to not do that, to not mold their children in their own image, but to allow their children to form whatever image they would like for themselves. And I was not really allowed to do that. I was afraid to get a B or even a B plus because my mother would yell, right? My mother would get upset. Uh, I was afraid to make any mistakes if I didn't do a chore exactly on time. And I'm not saying like putting it off for days, but if my mom asked me to do something during the course of a day and I didn't do it basically within that hour, I, you know, would receive a wrath that was, you know, very traumatizing. And what has that done for me as an adult? Well, in June of 2020, at the height of the pandemic, I had a mental breakdown. I talked to my wife about it, though. This is one key I want to want to hone in on the communication of what trauma looks like for you. A lot of people who've never really experienced it or are not in touch with their own trauma or what their effects of that trauma has had to them. Because let me tell you, every single person listening to this has had some form of trauma in their lifetime, whether it's a physical injury, some type of a car accident, or some relationship that is toxic. You are feeling the effects of that trauma today. And there are ways in which that manifests itself that most people aren't even aware of. Most of the time, our traumas and the behaviors stemming from those traumas come from something that happened when we were very, very young. They call the first years of your life the formative years for a reason, because they formulate a lot of the core of who we are as we become adults. Many things or feelings that we pick up when we are very, very young stay with us throughout our entire life. They talk about how 
something that you know by age four is something that you'll always feel. This is why I talk about racism starting in the home. It doesn't start when your child is 10. It starts when your child is two, when your child is three, when they see their parents, see people that influence them, treating people a certain way, it sticks with them. So trauma does the same thing. For me, when I make a mistake currently in the relationships that I have, I want to make up for it in such a way that I go overboard. That's traumatic uh, stress right there. That is how that manifests itself for me. I don't want to make a mistake. I'm fearful of fail failing because when I failed as a child, when I failed as a teenager, it was catastrophic in many ways. The reaction that I received was not one of support and what's the next step. It was from my father, but I'm just saying like in general. And I had a lot of emotional trauma to deal with when it comes to that. There are many people who go through that kind of thing in life. I mean, pregnancy in and of itself, giving birth is traumatic. One of the things I've talked about uh, many times on this show is about parenting and uh, many of the unspoken truths about parenting, specifically as it relates to what women go through as a part of bearing a child. Post-traumatic stress sy syndrome isn't talked about nearly enough. Post-traumatic stress syndrome and what comes of it, how it, how it manifests itself, right? What it does to a woman after their child is born. Being able to talk about it, like most women aren't even allowed to talk about it. Most women are, you know, like sort of made to seem like, well, just get over it. it it's tough, like miscarriages. There's trauma that goes along with that. I know that from personal experience. Well, I have not had a woman in my life that has, um, well, I've not had a woman in my life that has specifically gone through it as having a miscarriage of my child. I know women who have gone through miscarriages and I've asked them, I want to understand them. And one thing that I've come to understand is that I as a man can never be empathetic truly to what that feels like. And that's because I will never bear a child. And one of the things that I remember going through when my wife was giving birth, being in the hospital during that whole ordeal, it was almost a 24 hour ordeal, was being in awe of what my wife was able to accomplish, what she was able to go through, right? Like that was just some of the strongest stuff I've ever seen. We talk about bravery a lot and what bravery looks like. And we give the label of bravery to athletes many times, but there's brave people all around us who are getting over many types of trauma. But here we are a year later and we talk about, do we want to have more children? And one thing my wife says is, I don't want to go through that again. And I mean the pregnancy, the worrying that goes along with it. There's so much worrying that you have no control over during pregnancy. The baby is inside, right? You can't really know what's going on and you can't control it. If the umbilical cord gets stuck around your baby's neck, you can't do anything about it. A lot of times it's too late. Stillborns, one of the worst things we could have. And there's so much trauma that goes along with it. So I've tried to understand that trauma. But I wonder to myself, do we as a society really understand it? Because I think what we have reached, uh, we've reached a point, in my opinion, where we are now looking at people and instead of trying to understand what is making them behave in this way, we're condemning the behavior. And we could actually put this toward political leanings and so forth. Like we, what we have done at this point, I said to ourselves, well, if you believe X, Y, and Z, I don't believe X, Y, and Z. Screw you. I don't want you around me. I don't want you in my life. Cleveland and I talk about this actually quite a bit, how we want to know what people believe. We want to know who people really are. We want to see the true person inside them. Why? Because it allows us to make a judgment on what we like or dislike about that person and 
allows us to start what's called a dialogue vote. Dialogue is super, super important. But perhaps many of the behaviors that people are exhibiting today are a systematic result of the trauma that they have gone through in their life. Perhaps they have been wronged in some way that we don't know. And we generally tend to dismiss many of these things like on the racism front or the you know social justice front, if you will. Many people will say, well, racism doesn't exist because I have black friends that have never gone through it. So you're taking the three or four people that you know and using them as a sample for the entirety of a population, which isn't true. There are ways in which we do this with women as well, right? With the Me Too movement. Well, somebody accuses somebody of sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape, and they say, well, I was around that person and never, never experienced that. Okay, that's your interaction. There's many other interactions that can take place that you are not a part of. And we generally tend to dismiss and we say, well, that trauma isn't real. They made it up. They're looking for attention. Many times trauma manifests itself in a cry for help. And the cry for help is not a direct, hey, help me. The behaviors that come about it are part of the cry for help. And this is the part that I really, you know, can't stress enough is that you have to be looking at other people in your life and thinking, are they trying to tell me something? If somebody's behavior changes so drastically within an instant, and I'm not talking about they go from happy to angry or, you know, belligerent or something like that, but you have to start knowing the people around you, start researching the people around you. And I don't mean like an experiment, but get to know them, understand that there could be something that has happened well before you ever came along that could cause this. This happens a lot in familial relationships, and this is where I think a lot of families don't do their homework. I know that my family really hasn't done their homework in many, many ways because the toxicity that has existed between them has existed in the same way for many, many years, decades even, multiple decades. And I look at them now, and I can look at it from an outsider's perspective. I can look at it from, I've heard so many things about the way people were raised, the interactions that they had with people around them the interactions that they had with themselves, what they were put through as children. And it manifests itself today as an adult, even in their 50s and 60s, you can see it. I'm not the only one who can see it, others can see it too. But this is why I went to therapy, because Dave brought up a good point. How long does it take to get over something like this? Everybody's trauma is different. My trauma is relatively benign compared to what a lot of people go through. I was listening to an interview about what U.S. gymnastics is being accused of, the type of abuse that has been handed down basically as a uh, almost a baton, right? Keeping the baton of abuse and women having their bags searched, package, packages searched for granola bars, not being allowed to eat, not being allowed to fraternize, not being allowed to do anything, even adults. Simone Biles is 24 years old, and there are gymnasts who are that old who are susceptible to that stuff from U U.S. gymnastics, right? like having your bag searched as a 24-year-old adult. Think about that for a second. I was 24, I'd graduated college, and I was starting my first job. And what adult is going to come up to me and search my bag and ask me and tell me what I can and can't do in that regard? But yet it's been acceptable trauma. It's been accepted across the board. And people still aren't understanding it. The community itself, the community itself is sort of punishing the people that have come out and spoken out about it. Those people are going through real trauma. They live through it every day. And I remember hearing uh, one of the gymnasts who was one of the first to come out and she wrote a book and I cannot remember her name, so my apologies there. She was asked a direct question. Has coming out with all of this information made your life worse as a result? 
and her direct answer was basically yes. This has almost caused me more pain to be a flag bearer, to be a whistleblower for this, because the community in and of itself generally has turned on her. Outside of the other victims that she knows, outside of the other women that have put words to this, she is seen as an outcast, as a traitor. Why would you betray this community? It's not a cult per se, but it's definitely toxic. It definitely is also in line with how we treat trauma victims, with how we treat victims of abuse, right? We generally tend to say, oh, that's, that's, that's stupid. Uh, you're doing this for attention. And the question she asked is, what attention exactly am I looking for? What benefit am I looking for? To have people recognize the fact that I was basically raped by Larry Nasser? What, what exactly am I gaining from that? People knowing that I was raped, I was still raped. I still have that trauma. I still have to live through that. Every time she has an interview about her book, every time she reads her book or hears about her book, she is essentially reliving all of that trauma. And think about what that has done to her. Think about the ways in which that manifests itself. Anxiety, depression, eating disorders, things of this nature. So many people go through that in our daily lives. Mental health crisis is nowhere near over. It's nowhere near even understood. We are still trying to figure out how to deal with mental health. The police go through this all the time. I know the police are under-equipped to handle people with mental health issues. Because when you roll up to the scene of a crime and you see somebody who may be schizophrenic, how do you know that? You're not necessarily trained to know that. Not every police department has the ability to be able to recognize every single way that trauma manifests itself in mental health disorder. And I'm lucky. I'm very, very lucky because I was smart enough to talk to my wife about it, to communicate with the people that I love, the people that are around me, even if they said, oh my God, you're going to a therapist. And my answer was, yes, I am because I need to understand how that works for me. I need to understand why it is I do what I do. I need to be able to start recognizing it in the moment. And you know what sucks about being a victim of trauma? And again, I wanna point out, my trauma in life is nowhere near what a lot of other people go through. I'm just using mine as an example to make you or help you understand that trauma in and of itself doesn't have to be something drastic. It can be something that aggregates over time something that nitpicks at you over time because it doesn't I mean like these big events that we talk about like sexual harassment right child abuse things of this nature somebody could mentally poke and prod you by just how they are saying negative things to you all the time making you feel worthless maybe they're not abusing you in the way that we have the definition of abuse today but they are creating some semblance of a trauma that you are going to take with you and it's going to manifest itself in action as an adult and I think it's important for me to understand that about myself. Because now when I do it, there's sometimes when I can't stop myself from doing it. And that means to me that anybody who is a victim of trauma in some fashion also has the same affliction. They suffer the same fate. That there are some times in which you just cannot escape it. You cannot get away from it. I tell my wife this all the time, that anytime that you are looking at me and thinking of me critically, whatever I'm thinking in my head, is 10 times what you are thinking in your head. I still go over things that I did from 20 years ago or longer ago, mistakes that I made, ways in which those mistakes turned into consequences and not necessarily unjust consequences, but perhaps overly disciplinarian consequences. You know, making me go to my music teacher and tell him that I lied about something. Do I need to have that kind of embarrassment? Like, do people need to have that kind of embarrassment to really understand that they've done something wrong? 
we don't necessarily understand how what we do as parents can translate as adults. And I try to think about that when I parent my son. I try to think about ways in which I was parented that maybe have turned into what I do today. I want him to feel less that, right? I don't want him to grow up and feel the way that I do, critical, overly critical of myself to the point that it's debilitating. So I bring this up mainly because I had never really thought about it. And it's amazing to me that something that manifests out of football of all things, could actually make me think about my life and think about the idea of trauma. Think about the idea of what does it mean to be a victim of trauma? And how does that manifest itself throughout your lifetime? It may even manifest itself today for me, for you, for people that you know. But what I'm asking you, especially in today's world where we are still going through a pandemic, where this Delta variant is looking to cancel all of our fall and winter plans, is when you see somebody acting strange, somebody that you know, Instead of thinking about how we can condemn that action, instead think about what could it possibly be that they're going through. Try to understand it. Try to be sympathetic and empathetic as to whatever degree that you can stomach. Because I think what we need to do now is be there for each other. I think we need to understand what each of us could be, could be possibly going through. And possibly look at it the way it relates to our life. Is there something that we have changed about ourselves? Is there something that we have started to do that has been problematic? Are we reacting in a way that we never have? Or have I always reacted a certain way and never truly understood it? To me, I think that's important. So a message to take into the weekend for sure. I hope everybody has a great weekend. I wanna thank you for tuning into the show as always. I love putting it on. Even when the content is heavy, it's still a passion of mine and I love to do it. So before I get you out of here, uh, remember to subscribe, like, rate and review. It means a lot to the show. It means a lot to me because I wanna hear some feedback. Would love to connect with you. Media at gmail.com soulfully casual podcast on instagram and always maddieicemedia.com where you can find embedded players of all the podcasts that we put out and support have a great weekend everybody stay safe stay happy make sure you understand and be empathetic to as many people as you can and i will talk to you next week the opinions and views expressed on soulfully casual are that of maddie ice and not necessarily representative of maddie ice media Sofully Casual is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.